Are you content? Are you grateful? What we put into our heart matters. Gratitude and contentment included. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That has been our launching point through this entire teaching series. And we've discovered that, uh, that hopeful hearts come from trusting lives and that joyful hearts, that the hearts that are filled with the fullness of joy, that, that perfect joy that God gives us come from a, a life of, of selfless living. But today, we're going we're gonna to talk about a topic that I, that I truly believe is something that impacts every single heart in this room, every single one of our lives. And that is the, the reality of contentment, gratitude, and the recognition of our blessings. The recognition of blessings. You see, becoming blind to our blessings is a reality that we deal with each and every day. It is. While nostalgia may, may bring us to some recognition of our blessings in the, from the past, it's, it's really the abundance of our blessings in our everyday life that, that, overshadow, that overshadow everything and cause us to become blind to our blessings. I I call it blessing blindness, or being blind to our blessings. You see, we get so accustomed to the way things are in our lives. We get so so used to seeing the way that our lives are that we stop seeing how blessed we truly are. We We stop realizing that the way we have it is not the way that everyone has it. We forget that our situation isn't everyone else's situation. We become blessing blind. And instead of being grateful for our blessings, we start treating our blessings as though they are burdens. As our blessings start to come against our our chosen way of life or, or our chosen lifestyles, as we confuse our blessings with burdens, but some of you look a little confused, so maybe I need to elaborate a little more. So why don't I, why don't I talk about uh, a completely um, um, non-offensive topic that won't upset anybody like the public school system. I used to be a public school teacher, so I, I think I can talk about this for, for just a minute. Um, when I was teaching, I had people that would talk to me as a teacher that would come to me upset and argue that the requirements of the students or families or that the uh, standardized testing or that the student expectations of the IEPs, they were, they were frustrated with them. They just, it was a burden on the family. It was a burden on, on the students. Yet in the school that I taught... In my first year of teaching, all but a handful of students came from first or second generation immigrant families um, that were first or second generation American citizens from a neighboring border country 
where in their home country, if they wouldn't have passed the sixth grade tests that they were taking for me, they would no longer be able to be in the school system. You see, education is not a burden, even though we treat it as such sometimes. Education is truly a blessing. See, sometimes we confuse our blessings with burdens in our lives. Or how about employment? Should be a neutral conversation, but it's not. It's a social media thing, right? You know, people who have lost their jobs because of what they've said on social media about their bosses or their workplaces. But I talk to people who are, who are so frustrated or upset about their work, whether it's their um, job expectations or they're undervalued or underpaid or they have more expectations and, and they're not valued as an employee or, or they don't like their job or they don't like their situation and yet they don't take the time to realize that they are blessed to have the ability to work that God has gifted them a network that has allowed them to have a job or that they have the ability to be trained to get a new job if they wanted to go through the effort to do it. And that having a job is actually a blessing in comparison to some other states and to some other countries and for other people. What about our faith? This is one that we often become blind to we, when, when folks feel that their faith is a burden. And this is one that grinds me in the wrong way. And, and I'll get off of my soapbox in just a minute, but just, just give me just a second longer in this thought process. I don't have time to read my Bible for five minutes in the morning. What do you mean? Go to church every Sunday for an hour? I ain't got nobody got time for that. Join a life group? Are you kidding me? Serve on a ministry team? (laughs) Give generously out of my income? That sounds like a burden on my lifestyle. When I read books about people who can't even profess their faith in their countries without being thrown in jail or even losing their lives, where I'm allowed to stand in front of people be put on the internet and publicly say, I believe in Jesus Christ. Talk about it openly. Carry a Bible with me in public. Our faith is not a burden, it is a blessing. But we forget about these things because we're so used to it. We don't don't see them as blessings because we're so accustomed to it. It's just a matter of perspective, really. But we are truly blessed. We are truly blessed. We are truly blessed. Sometimes we could become blessing blind. But I say, no more. Let's, let's just take the, blinding, the blinders off. Let's move toward being grateful for our blessings. There's nothing wrong with being grateful for being blessed. It's not arrogant. It's not Pompous to say, I'm blessed and I am grateful that God has given me this opportunity. It's not, because that's what we're supposed to do. You'd think that if we were truly blessed and we were grateful, our lives would outpour with this gratitude because we are blessed. And you'd think that would happen, but it doesn't for so many of us. We are so blessed and yet we aren't grateful for any of it. 
And I wonder, why? Why? Why aren't we grateful for all that we have? Why is it that everyone can see these things about us when we go on mission trips and we go to these places and people see us and they say, why don't you see how much that you have? Because there's a piece missing. Because it's not just recognizing that you're blessed. There's a piece missing, and that is our contentment. Because a grateful heart comes from a content life. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to dive into Philippians 4, where Paul tells us a secret. Paul has a secret. A secret to contentment. And if you listen closely, and I pray that you do, it can change your life. And this is what Paul says in chapter 4 of Philippians, starting in verse 10. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with what I have. Hmm. Interesting. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now this text comes from the end of Philippians. This is a letter that Paul wrote while he was in prison. Prison. Now, I've never been in prison, and you can look that up if you'd like to. (laughs) But I have gone to the principal's office once in my educational life, and I did not like it one bit. Once was all it took. And I will tell you honestly that as I sat in the principal's office, I was not in the mood, mental disposition at all, to write anything about contentment in life. If any of you have been in the principal's office, maybe that was not you. But for me, I was not in a place where I could write about contentment. But Paul, sitting in prison, a first century prison, not one of our prisons where you got a nice bed, you got your own toilet, and you got three meals a day, and you got a workout room and, and a playground outside. First century prison, stone walls, chains. I have discovered the secret to contentment in life. I want to know more. But to learn more about this contentment and how it leads to gratitude, we have to understand who Paul is and who Paul was. And so let me, let me tell you a little bit about Paul. Paul was the first great missionary who, who brought this gospel of Jesus to the non, non-Jews and built these churches. But what set Paul apart from the other teachers and philosophers in the first century who were walking around and teaching was that when Paul went to teach, he didn't make people pay to get in. Other teachers and philosophers would come to a town and you had to pay to hear the message. Kind of like going to the movies. Paul would go to a town and he'd get a job. And he'd work. And he'd support himself, and he'd start teaching people for free. I know, right? And then he would start building these churches, developing leaders, pass on leadership, build this church. He might spend a year, 
maybe two, and then, and, or, or less, or more, and then he would, he would pass on the leadership, and then he'd leave and go to the next town and start it all over again. But you say, but Tim, I read in the epistles that he took these offerings. Where did that money go? Every offering that Paul took went to one of those churches that was in need. You've heard about this church over here that's going through this famine. We're collecting an offering to send over here. We're collecting an offering to send to the church in Jerusalem. We're collecting an offering to go over there. Paul never took money for himself. He worked for himself. And you may wonder, why would that matter in a conversation about contentment? Because understanding what's in here matters. Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians 9, 18. And he explains this, this whole pay system. He says, what then is my pay? It is the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone. That's why I never demand my rights, my rights being my pay, when I preach the good news. It's relevant because what is at a person's core? What is, what is central to them is a part of where we find our contentment in life. You see, if Paul's teaching, if, if Paul's purpose in his teaching, if his purpose in this whole thing was to fill his coin bag, to retire early, maybe to build a church and then retire on some beach somewhere, if that was his purpose, I'm preaching for money, making a living at this, then his words mean nothing to us today. But if he had a different purpose, if he was preaching and teaching to build something else, then it means something else to us. And I want, you to, I want to take you to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount for just one minute because it emphasizes this point of what is at stake here. Because when Jesus was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he said these words, no one can serve two masters. Do you remember this, these words? No one can serve two masters. For you will hate the one and love the other, you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You see, the way that Paul made a living was important to him being able to find contentment in life. This is why Black Friday is important to be in relationship with our thanksgiving. So when Paul is in Philippi, he's teaching and raising up these, lead, these leaders he didn't take any money for himself, but now he's in prison and he needs help. But I find it fascinating. He, he, he says, I know you want to help. Not that I ever needed your help, but I'll take your help. But I don't need your help. I'm content. In chains. Paul says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret to living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with nothing. Now, there are two things to learn from this, two things to, to think about. This being content with nothing and being content with everything. Because often we think about being content as something we achieve when we're full. Thanksgiving dinner, right? Ah, 
and content. Contentment is something that we reach when we're full, is how we see it. I will be content when this thing happens. Like, I'm going to be content when I get that promotion. Until you realize that that promotion comes with an office that doesn't have a window. Not quite there yet. Or maybe I'm going to be content when I net six figures. Until you realize you have to pay self-employment taxes. Oh, maybe a little more is necessary. If your view of contentment starts with, I will be content when, it's a dead-end street. There is no pot of gold at that contentment rainbow, at the end of that contentment rainbow. Paul says he's learned how to be content with everything or with nothing because he's had both. He's lived on both ends of that extreme. And what's interesting is that It has nothing to do with either end of the extreme because it has everything to do with right now in this moment. He says that contentment is right now. Not with a little bit more, not with a little bit less, but right now, just as I am. Just as I am, right now. Full, empty, everything, nothing. I have learned to be content. I want you to dream with me for a moment because the next five minutes could change your life. And I mean that honestly. Are you content in this moment right now without a little bit more? With nothing else than what you have in this moment? Because if not, Paul's secret can be yours as well. His discovery is available for all of us. But it is going to take your willingness to move your perspective, to shift the kaleidoscope of your perspective a little, which is very hard to do. It is very hard to unlearn something once it's been ingrained. But I beg you, to hear this next part because it can change the course of your life. So please, if you've been asleep this whole time, wake up now. Nudge someone next to you. Shake it out. This is where it gets good, folks. Wake up. Here we go. This next verse is, the mo- is one of my biggest pet peeves because it's been placed, plastered on coffee cups and bumper stickers and social media memes incorrectly out of context for so long and at sports events that we have lost the context of what Paul meant and intended it to be. And I've already preached on it. I preached an entire sermon on one sentence because it's that important to understand. Paul's secret is no secret. We all know it and we've memorized it and we've yelled it at our kids at a soccer game but we yelled the wrong thing or we railed the right words for the wrong reasons because Paul's secret to contentment we have misunderstood. Paul's secret to contentment is this, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Those words were not for a sporting event. 
Paul wrote those words in chains in a prison in the first century. Writing to people who wanted to send him money to get out of prison. And he said, I don't need it. I have all that I need. I am content in this world. I've had a full belly. I've had an empty one. It matters not because the contentment that I have in this life does not come from things. It does not come from food. It doesn't matter where I lay my head at night. It doesn't matter what house I'm sleeping in. It doesn't matter what job I'm doing. It doesn't matter where I am. All that matters is Christ. You see, the secret is no secret. It is the same thing that Paul had taught in every town, in every home that he went. It's the same story, and it wasn't a secret. He told it to every guard that came into the jail cell. There was a man. I used to persecute him. And the people who followed him, his name was Jesus. He claimed to be the Son of God, and we crucified him on a cross. He died on a cross for all of your sins. And we thought it was over. But three days later, he rose from the dead. Not only did he raise from the dead, I, these people, they saw him. 40, 40 people saw him. The 500 people saw him. All these people saw him, and they're, they're still alive, and they're still talking about him. You can go talk to them. Most of them are still alive. Go ask them yourself. They were there. They talked to Jesus. And then 40 days later, went up to heaven. Went up to heaven. And now he's seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven where he has prepared a place for me, Paul, someone who persecuted his followers because there was enough grace for Paul. Nothing else matters. Eternity is secure. It doesn't matter if I die in this prison cell. Jesus has prepared a place for me. It doesn't matter if I have dinner tonight. Jesus is my strength. It doesn't matter if this church is successful. God is always successful. Do you see the secret that Paul had? It was no secret. The gift that Paul gives us in this is the opportunity to realize that Jesus is still offering the same thing to all of us. 2,000 years later, that we can have contentment no matter what's going on in our lives, that Jesus is still offering the same thing for us, that just like Jesus died for Paul, Jesus died for us. Just as Jesus is waiting in heaven for Paul, Jesus is waiting in heaven for us. That we can be forgiven, that we can be redeemed, that we can become a new creation, that that promise is for all of us. And so here's what I want to do. I may feel awkward for some of you, but if God is leading you today to commit your life to Christ, I just want to pray for you for a minute. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pray, and I'm going to pray for you, and if that's you, I just want you to pray in your head. You don't have to come forward or anything, just pray in your head. So let's pray together at this time. Lord Jesus, I know that I have fallen away from you. 
I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for me, and I believe that you rose again. I turn from my sins, and I invite you into my heart and life. I trust in you, and I choose to follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, I I encourage you, please, I beg you to reach out to me and connect with me because I have some resources that I want to give you to help you on your journey because it's not about a prayer. It's about a life, and it's about the next steps in your life and where you go with God from here. So please, if you prayed that prayer today, please connect with me either after the service or email me so I can send you some resources. Paul's secret was no secret And that is that contentment in life comes when we recognize that Jesus is the source of our contentment. And when we realize the source of contentment, we realize that all of the other things, the food, the house, the car, all of those things, pale in comparison. And they really don't matter as much. And when we find that contentment, we recognize just how much we have been blessed. That we have a loving Father that would love us, us. Paul said it best, I am the chief of sinners. Love us enough to send his only son to die for us. There's no greater gift of love than that. We have been truly blessed. And from that contentment, we can have a grateful heart. And we'll continue to have a grateful heart. So guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we seek to find ourselves only in you. Whatever, whether we are full or empty, Lord, our contentment comes from you. Let our gratitude this year not simply be a seasonal event, but a daily experience of glorifying you, the author and creator of all things. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to carry our sins on the cross and for the new life that you bring. We are so grateful, Lord. Work in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.